Okay, well every blessing to you all. And uh, welcome back to my walking talking pulpit. God willing, this will be number nine. And for today, I want to talk about disappointment. And I should just say that the weather is foul. This is warm with rain. And I'm not sure how much material I'm going to be able to share with you all today. So I'll do my best and God willing, this will come out okay. Before I was saved, I was a wannabe singer. And I was working with uh, different musicians in and around the London area, trying to get the break, trying to break into the industry. And I worked very hard for several years. And around a year before I got saved, I came into contact with a music agent in uh, the London area. And I phoned him up told him who I was and what I was and what I've been doing. Around that time, my uh, band, my orchestra, were 18 strong. Big band swing, big band jazz. Somewhat of a specialist uh, type of music. And I guess, to the truth be known, we were very much swimming against the tide. Big bands have gone out of fashion a long time ago. But that was my style. That's what I was into. And so when I came across this agent in the London area, I thought maybe, just perhaps, he might be able to help me out, give me the break, introduce me to the right people. I spent many years working in clubs and different venues around London, worked with many musicians, but the break was evasive. I couldn't quite reach it. Of course, looking at the grander picture, Almighty God had bigger plans for me. But at the time, I wasn't saved. Patrick was saved, I wasn't. And I was chasing the dream, probably the impossible dream. So I went down to meet this agent, spoke to him, told him who I was and what I was and what I'd been trying to do. And he said uh, that he was working with a London uh, restaurant, a new restaurant which had just opened. They wanted some entertainment. Could I provide it for them? And I said, what do they want? And he said to me, well, maybe a four to five piece uh, with some dancers, so on and so forth. And I said to him, no problem, leave it with me. So I went home, got my phone book out. At that time, I had many numbers in my phone book. And I started ringing around to see who was available. And within maybe five or ten minutes, I had a small group put together. I got back to him, told him that I've been able to put some musicians together for this London hotel, which incidentally, he had told me that Madonna had been uh, booked to attend. She'd been paid to turn up and leave. That's where they make a lot of money, these celebrities. They are photographed arriving and they're photographed leaving. And he said to me that it was imperative that I put the best uh, quality of entertainment together for this night. And I said, no problem. Well, I was somewhat excited. And during my phone call to him, I said to him, why not come down and see the whole band perform? I was really wanting to get the big band off the ground. I spent many 
years on and off working with five piece bands, six piece bands, sextets, but I wanted to get the big band off the ground. And I said to him, why not come on down and see us one afternoon? And I told him about a location in London that we uh, would be performing at. And I said, come on down. And he said to me, okay, I'll come down on such and such a day at such and such a time. So I thought, wonderful. Got my phone book out, booked the band, all 18 of them. And I told him where it would be and when it would be. Well, the day came for, I guess, our audition, which is what it was all about. I wanted to make a good impression on him. I wanted him to see what we could do and hopefully give us a lot of work in and around the London area. So I've got 18 guys ready to go. They've been rehearsing. They've been uh, practicing. I've been singing along with them. We've been tuning up. We're ready to go. Well, around the time that he was due to arrive, there was no sign of him. And some of the boys were getting restless, somewhat apprehensive, asking me, where is he? It's now gone uh, 2 p.m. I think that's the time we had arranged to meet him. And I went upstairs, got my phone out, called him up, and I said to him, where are you? I've got 18 guys that have been uh, practicing, waiting to meet you wanting to perform for you. At that time, I was a semi-professional singer working with professional musicians, which, if you don't know, make a lot of money. And those guys can pretty much name their price. So I said to him, where are you? We are all here, waiting very patiently in anticipation for you to come. And he said to me, well, it wasn't confirmed, was it? And I said, what do you mean it wasn't confirmed? We arranged that you would come at a particular time, at a particular location. Where are you? I've got 18 guys waiting around to meet you. So he said to me, well, I'm not coming, but I appreciate you putting the time uh, together or making time available to do this for me. I thought, is this some kind of a joke? I'm not saved. And I wasn't particularly happy to hear what she just said to me and I blew my call, lost my temper and at the time my band librarian was right next to me and he started cussing and I said to him, can you believe it? This guy was told the day and the place where we were going to be performing and lo and behold he's blown it out. Not even an apology, just a very feeble lame excuse that it was never confirmed to begin with, which was a lie. I wouldn't put 18 guys together out of a busy day to perform for nothing. And I told those guys that he wasn't gonna come. And they were very disappointed, as was I. And after that failed audition, after that no show of an event, I got in my car and I started to drive home feeling somewhat depleted, feeling somewhat disappointed. And on the way home, my car started to play up. Problems with the uh, brakes, problems with the clutch. Now, like I say, at that time, I wasn't saved. Patrick had been saved maybe two years. 
around that time and he'd been witnessing to me sharing the gospel with me and I was listening to him but I wasn't taking it on board I was very busy doing my own thing you see but seeds have been planted and I guess the story to take from that event was that no matter what I did I was always going to be saved anyway but at the time I didn't know that at the time I was unsaved chasing the impossible dream so I got home felt very depleted felt very disappointed and I said to myself that's it I'm not going to pursue it anymore I spent years trying to get the brakes I spent thousands of pounds trying to get the recognition that I wanted and it's not happening on top of that I was on the cusp of getting saved and sometimes when you get saved you have that uh, brief crossover period you don't quite know what to do or where to go when I got saved there was nobody uh, praying with me or praying over me I got saved on my own and when I hear people give their testimonies about getting saved at such and such a time on such and such a day I salute them for being able to remember that but of course I know why they can remember it they got somebody standing next to them maybe a pastor or an evangelist to hold their hand but nobody, uh, nobody held my hand when I got saved I got saved on my own and I had to work out for myself what to do and how to do what I was going to do but I realised when it came to the music industry that it was very much sewn up and it wasn't just watching you but it was very much who you knew on top of that I hadn't appreciated that the industry yes sewn up like it is in America but how in this country most of the bands are run by Freemasons I didn't quite appreciate that why would I? I wasn't raised in a Masonic family I was raised in a Catholic family it was somewhat uh, of a mystery to me when I started to realise what that whole uh, industry was all about so as I appraised that particular time I thought to myself I've had a lucky escape praise the Lord there was no way that I was going to sell my soul to fit into that sordid industry yes I'd worked very hard very innocently I've been able to finance the band for many years uh, myself I had a good job at the time and yet when it came down to it those that could have given me the break decided not to well that's okay I left that industry like I say got saved and maybe a couple of years later I found myself doing some outreach work in Manchester and I was talking to some female Mormons missionaries from Europe and I got on quite well with them and over three weekends I was able to really open up the word of God to them share the scripture with them and I said to one of the girls that I had a DVD for her which had been made by an ex-Mormon would she be wanting to watch it would she be prepared to sit down and examine it and she said she would I thought wonderful went back the following week and gave it to her and made it quite clear there was no pressure on her to watch it 
and I hoped that she would, but I understood that she wouldn't. Well, she reassured me that she would watch it. So I left it with her, went home. The following Saturday, went back to Manchester, saw her. But this time she was somewhat reserved, somewhat cool towards me. And I realized that something had happened. Somebody had said something. Maybe she had cold feet. Maybe she'd watched half of it and thought, no, the price is too high to pay. I can't afford to come out of the Mormon religion. This is all I've ever known. I don't know. I suspect her bishop had probably either got his hands on it and destroyed it or watched some of it and confiscated it from her. I don't know. I never know. But I was very disappointed to experience her refusal to enter into further dialogue with me. And I said to her, listen, there was no pressure on you to, to watch this. And yet you said, no, you wanted to watch it. You were keen to examine it. And therefore, because you were obliging, I was hopeful that you would take the time to watch it so on and so forth. Well, she didn't watch it. And to this day, I can't remember whether or not she gave it back to me. But I thought, well, I've done my bit. But that was an early disappointment for me. I hadn't been saved very long. And I thought after three consecutive weekends, speaking to this Mormon missionary, that perhaps she would get the gospel clear, uh, leave the Mormons and follow the Lord. When I first got salvation down, I grabbed it with both hands. But of course I appreciate that for people such as her, it's very tough. She's probably a second or third generation Mormon. It's probably all she'd ever known. And therefore for her to just get up and go is a pretty big deal. And I guess it's very much like Muslims who come into contact with the gospel. They're not concerned about the sin of apostasy. That's not so much a European issue for them. They're more concerned about losing their jobs, losing their place their standing in their communities because for many of them they work with their parents, their uncles, their father-in-laws and for them to turn around and say that they are now Christian would probably result in them losing everything. So I can appreciate that. I don't agree with it but I can appreciate it. But from that disappointment came another disappointment for me. Maybe two years later I came into contact with a JW and I started to witness to him, started to uh, share the gospel with him. And I said to him that I'd written an article on the JWs. Would he be willing to read it? And he said he was, and he would be. And I thought, wonderful. So I went home, printed it all off for him, all uh, 14 pages. And I saw him and I said to him, uh, let me just back up. I said to him, uh, can I share this article with you? He said, he, he said I could. And I said to him, uh, where should I post it to? And he said to me, don't post it to my house, post it to the local Kingdom Hall, which I thought was somewhat unusual, but okay, fine. So I, as I say, printed it off, all 14 pages, put it in the post, first class stamp, to the local Kingdom Hall. Care of, not him, but one of the elders. Well, some months went by, and I came into contact with him. And I said, hi, how are you doing? 
He said, okay. And I said to him, uh, by the way, did you get uh, my article that I sent you? And he said, no. And he looked somewhat sheepish. And I said to him, well, I sent it to the address you gave me, care of one of the elders there. Where is it? What's happened? And he said, well, maybe the person who you address it to has opened it and thrown it out. And I thought to myself, what kind of setup is this? I mean, I've read about the KGB over the years. And I've read about other secret societies over the years and uh, spy agencies and how they pretty much control their subjects. But I hadn't appreciated that that type of behaviour is also typical in false religions. And I was very disappointed to hear that my article hadn't reached him. Or maybe it had. And he was lying to me. Well, I'll never know, of course, what happened. But they were three major disappointments to me. Starting with that band agent for blowing me out, feeding into uh, big band leaders in the London area, freezing me out because I wasn't a Freemason, not giving me the chance. At the same time, I was dealing with professional jealousy. A lot of people were jealous that a guy of my age had his own big band. It was very... Uh, catty shall we say people are very critical sniping professional jealousy but like I say I had a lucky escape as they say but as a Bible believer I very much believe in the providence of the Lord but those three events were major disappointments to me and here I am 14 years later no bitterness no disillusionment uh, no sadness, no nothing. And I want to say this, that if you are saved and you have experienced disappointments, well, so have I. We all have. What you don't want to do is allow that to fester, allow it to build up, allow it to overtake you, to bring you down, to make you very bitter. Because when that happens, you are the biggest loser. As far as that Mormon girl was concerned, I did my best for her. I tried to give her the gospel, as I did with the JW chap, but I guess they were too far in their ways, too set in their ways, too far down the road. And I guess it also feeds into those who make a living uh, from that particular way of life. I guess if you are a Catholic priest and you've made a good living over many years, You've baptised many Catholics. You've christened many Catholics. You've married many Catholics. You've buried many Catholics to have someone like me come along and tell you and your congregation that you're not needed, that Christ Jesus is our High Priest. I guess that's too much to accept. And that's why many people who are in organised religion don't come out. They can't afford to. What? are they going to do? They spent all their lives in that system. But I'll say this and try and close this message as the rain continues to come down and say that for me those disappointments although very uh, difficult to handle in the early days especially the uh, music agent who blew me out have actually turned out to be a great blessing to me. I've been able to learn a lot from 
that incident and others too. And like I say, I have no bitterness, I have no regrets whatsoever when it comes to what I've experienced. I am saddened, of course, that for those in religion, the gospel, the grace of God, is of no interest to them. And I'm going to discuss this uh, later on during another walking, talking pulpit. The whole subject of organised religion and what a failure it is. It gives you nothing and yet for many people they can't live without it. I'll say this also, that until you experience life, I mean real life, real disappointments, real setbacks, you can't really be a blessing to anyone else. I mean if you cruise through life just doing church, just doing religion, how in the world are you going to be able to empathise and sympathise and comfort those who are really going through difficult times? All I've given you today are just three general disappointments. One secular, two religious. And yes, I've had more disappointments than that, very personal ones, which I shan't go into. But needless to say, what I have experienced leading up to my salvation and after my salvation has really helped me. It's been used to mould me. But the biggest disappointment that I struggle with is living for the Lord, getting close to Him and staying close to Him. That's very difficult. You see, we are finite beings. We live in time. We live in a fallen world. Our blood is no good. And our great God is infinite. He lives outside of time. He doesn't have any sin problem. He is sinless. And the two don't match up. So what did God have to do to try and bring man and himself together? Well, of course, well, of course he became a man in Christ Jesus. And the man Christ Jesus lived like we lived, grew up like we grew up, experienced what we experienced, and yet was without sin. And therefore, when you get into a fix, when you get into a bind, when you start to get disappointed and discouraged and disillusioned, look to him. Because the chances are he knows exactly what it is you are going through, if not more. The think this, that he left heaven, came to earth, and became sin for us. Now just think about that for one moment, if you will. This sinless individual, from all of eternity, steps into time, is born in a manger with dirty animals, smelly animals, unclean animals, is raised by two Jewish people, good people, but not perfect, not sinless, was raised amongst his peers, would experience what many of us have experienced, and at a time of the Lord's pleasing, he decided to lay his life down for the sins of the world. Now just imagine that for one moment, if you can. And the next time you start to complain, you start to become bitter, or you start to feel sorry for yourself, just take a look at him. Never once did he complain. Never once was he bitter. Never once was he, woe is me, the whole world is against me. It says how he went to the cross, despising the shame. How he tasted death for every man. How he's the author and finisher of our faith. 
I'll tell you what, if you want someone to follow, follow him. Follow him. Never mind Joseph Smith or Muhammad or the music world. That's all vain. That's man doing religion on the one hand. And that's man trying to have his best life now. These things are temporary. Whereas heaven and glory is forever. And I wish we could get that straight. I wish those of us which are saved could really understand that. But of course we live in time. And we don't want to miss out. But when I look back over the last 14 years, I praise God for saving me. And I praise him for delivering me from that industry called the music world. In fact, I got a phone call a couple of years after I got saved from my band librarian, reminiscing that we'd come so far and yet hadn't quite made it. So near and yet so far. And I said to him, never mind, I'm born again and you need to be as well. I gave him the gospel. Turns out he was a lapsed Catholic, but a heavy drinker, like most of the musicians that I used to know, and very much lost in sin. And I saw him maybe a year uh, after that, and I gave him some more tracks, but he wasn't interested. And that too has been a major disappointment to me. But I won't spend uh, any more time going over that era of my life thank the Lord I live in the present and I simply share these accounts with you all not to uh, feel sorry for myself or to reminisce over the old days but to encourage you those of you which may be on your own those of you which may be newly saved or those of you which are living with unsaved people those of you which are struggling I tell you these things and I share these things with you like in the pouring rain as it currently is to give you a blessing on top of that I like to walk I like to exercise and therefore if I can kill two birds with one stone I will do so so I will sign out now wish you every blessing and happiness and look out for future messages on forgiveness and regret and yet one more time praise the Lord I can say hand on my heart that I have no bitterness no disappointments no nothing glory to god i'm saved washed in the blood i love the lord and more importantly he loves me and on top of that i love the word of god i'm what you call a king james bible believing christian something which wouldn't have even made the slightest sense to me 14 years ago 15 years ago 16 years ago but i was a young man at that time chasing the impossible dream trying to break into the impenetrable uh, industry was like I say it was all sewn up anyway and had I joined it had I got into it I would have lost my soul you can't serve two masters and that's something which thankfully I didn't have to uh, deal with the Lord saved me out of that industry so on that thought on that statement I will sign out wish you every blessing and happiness May the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.